to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him. Abram had become very wealthy in livestock, in silver and in gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. There, Abram called on the word, the name of the Lord. Now Lot, who was moving about with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herdsmen and Lot's. The Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. So, Abram said to Lot, Let's not have any quarreling between you and me, or between your herdsmen and mine, for we are close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, then I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, then I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoah was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt. For this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, Look around you where you are, to the north and south, to the east and west. All the land that you see, I will give you and give to your offspring forever and ever. I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust of so, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents, and there he built an altar to the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. 
Fantastic. Um, if, you go in, if you go into the centre of Shrewsbury, just off the square, you'll come across a restaurant called Renaissance. Some of you may have seen it. It's on the first floor in Princess Street, and they have a surprise six-course menu. They don't tell you what's on the menu. You find out on the day. Um, the only thing I know about it is that the meal costs £36, which seems quite a bit. Has anybody been there? I'd love to know what it's like. I've never been. I have a similar experience when I prepare my sermons. Um, I look at the reading and I think, oh, I can see how that's going to work out. I know what, that, what I'm going to say there. That's quite straightforward. Uh, the only thing is, when I get to doing it, I'm surprised to discover it doesn't quite work out like that. And the sermons turn out quite differently from what I'm expecting. They will. Um, anyway, all I'm offering you today are words, which I've written down here, but I do pray that God will speak through what I say, so that it won't be my thoughts, but God's thoughts. As we've recently been told that Shrewsbury is second only to Harrogate in the happiness stakes, I wonder what you understand by happiness. How about this? <laughs> Can't have any more. <laughs> it, it's, I discovered that was, that was produced in the 1920s. Anyway, that's another story. Um, look at this as well. If you want to keep on, if you want to keep on looking at that, it's on YouTube and it's a baby ripping, ripping paper. And there are lots of pictures of babies laughing. <laughs> but it's great, it's great fun. But I wonder, is that your idea of, <laughs> I've got another one at the back. <laughs> um, is that your idea of happiness and contentment? Because this morning we're talking about contentment with a background of conflict. Now some, some would say uh, they'd be content if they earned twice as much money as they do at the moment. Um, some would say they'd be really content if they could live in California. Um, um, some would say, ah, what I'd really like is to be 10 or 20 years younger. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? <laughs> um, and there are things that we want that we never know we're gonna, we're to have, things that we'd like, but we're never gonna get them. Now, the one thing that I would like, and I'll never gonna have, um, I would love to spend a few years in Saudi Arabia, but as a single man, so... <laughs> So I've blown that, <laughs> but I think I can cope. <laughs> um, how about you? What do you need to be content? Because so often we feel we'll be really happy with just a little bit more than we've got at the moment. Isn't it true? Now, I, li I like the story of the little girl um, who helped her mummy, and she was a good little girl. Little girls usually are, aren't they, so I'm told. Um, and uh, she decided to reward her daughter. And she said, what would make you really happy? 
And the girl said, well, if you gave me five pounds, I really would be happy. So the mum, the mum thought about it and she thought, okay, she's been a good girl, I'll give her five pounds, okay. And uh, so the girl was happy and she ran off to tell her best friend and she said, look, my mum gave me five pounds for being a good girl and then she made the right comment, I wish I'd asked for ten pounds. <laughs> I think I'd have got it. <laughs> um, Happiness comes and goes, doesn't it? Now, um, earlier this week, uh, last week, we were happy when the English were beating the Welsh at rugby, but sad when they lost. Oh, unless you were Welsh, of course, and you were probably over the moon. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> um, I would argue that contentment is deeper and more meaningful than happiness. So Abram, in, in the text he's called Abram, God later changed his name from Abram to Abraham. I'll refer to him as Abraham. Um, Abraham had an inner peace and contentment because of his trust in God. And that enabled him to back down when he faced conflict with Lot. Let's look at the Bible passage in Genesis and see what we can learn from Abraham. And in this account, we've got four key elements about finding contentment in times of conflict. The first point is that being wealthy can cause problems. It's, it's funny, I was just sitting there uh, and thinking, we, we talk about being wealthy and we're not wealthy. If you compare us with many countries or most of the world, we're all very wealthy in comparison. The conflict between Abraham and Lot came about because they were very well off and they possessed many flocks and servants and herds and that put a strain on the land and caused strife between the herdsmen. It says in verses 6 and 7, but the land could not support them while they stayed together for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarrelling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's. Many of us tend to think that more is always better. If we had more, possibly not sheep and cattle, <laughs> but more money, more time, more friends, more anything, we'd be happier, wouldn't we, and at peace. But that's not often the the case. In fact, rarely is that the case. We feel frustrated until we get achieve some goal that we feel that we've got to achieve. But we get there and then we find out that we want even more. Or what we pursued isn't really what we were hoping for. And conflict can arise over having more and more. There's a line in a song uh, by Irving Berlin, actually. After you get what you want, you don't want it. Isn't that true, though? Isn't that true? After you get what you want, you don't want it. And it, it, it's a paradox that the wealthy are more concerned about money as they've got more to lose. And the less well-off don't have that conflict. 
Um, as, as Bob Dylan sang, uh, when you ain't got nothing, you ain't got nothing to lose. Abraham faced conflict because he was so well off. And it may be there's nobody here like Abraham who's wealthy and owns sheep and cattle. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but as far as I know. But, but we are like him in that we all have to sort out our priorities. And I wonder, are you, am I, pursuing something right now that may cause conflict with your family, your friends, or your faith? Some people wear a bracelet with the letters WWJD. What would Jesus do? And when we do sit down and sort out our priorities, do we ever think, I wonder what Jesus would do in that situation? So being wealthy can cause problems, can cause conflicts. Um, second point, people have greater value than things. Abraham would rather not be with Lot than have a disagreement with him. Important principle here. Abraham is willing to let Lot have first choice over the land. He says, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine, for we're close relatives. Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Abraham sees it as more important to continue his good working relationship with Lot, who was, in fact, his nephew. So he sees that as more, the relationship is more important than having his way over the land. And he refuses to let possessions get in the way of his love for Lot. People matter more than possessions. Um, the founder of IBM was called Thomas Watson, and he was discussing his company's problems with the staff. Uh, and there were mountains of paperwork, and they were working their way through it. And in the end, he got really fed up, and he threw all the paperwork onto the floor and said, there aren't categories of problems here. There's just one problem. Some of us aren't paying enough attention to our customers. People matter, and they matter more than things. I wonder, are we focusing on possessions and achievements rather than people? Imagine for a moment how many conflicts, whether locally, nationally, internationally, it doesn't matter, but how many of them would be resolved if we focused on relating well to each other, backing down when necessary to avoid damaging a good relationship? I wonder to what extent we're over-concerned, for example, with the material side of church, even though that's very important. And I'm thinking of do we get over-concerned with things like the actual fabric, the actual building, the services? 
the finances, the number of those attending, those things that we can measure and quantify. And then we neglect our relationship with our Heavenly Father, which should really be our number one priority. So people have greater value than things. Um, third point, the grass is not always greener. Lot chose the green pastures, absolutely, literally. The lush, fertile land of the Jordan Valley was very appealing. And on the face of it, he did the right thing. It was a sensible choice. And we would probably all have done the same thing. I certainly would have done. Take the soft option. But with hindsight, we see that it didn't prove to be a wise choice. The writer indicates that this was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah and that the Sodomites were wicked. Lot must have looked back and thought, hmm, I had a free choice there. I wish I could have chosen the other option. I wish I could go back in time and choose the other option. Abraham, though, doesn't seem to mind which land he gets. He's content, however things turn out. What appears to be a better situation can, on occasions, bring great harm. So we must guard against thinking that the grass is always greener on the other side. Because it isn't always greener. And the idea, this idea can be a source of great pain and frustration for us. In fact, the grass may well be greener on this side. Uh, in, we've, we've heard a lot about Calais in, in the news recently, and I know uh, Laura's been out there. But the leader of the church in the so-called jungle refugee camp in Calais is an Ethiopian. And he'd previously been trying to make his way into this country. And now he's stopped trying to cross the border, and he's content to stay and support the thousands who are living in that camp. And he said, and I quote, I'm happy. I'm not going to the train station to try. Maybe Jesus has brought me here. For me, it's better than to go to England. His attitude is similar to what we read in Philippians 4.11 where the Apostle Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. So the first point is be content. God had a plan and a place for Abraham. Um, if you look at uh, Hebrews 11, the writer there says, talking about Abraham, he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham trusted this. He believed God would keep his promises and he didn't feel the need to fight with Lot or battle or argue to have his own way. 
This is contentment in action. And as Christians, we have the ultimate provision from God. We don't have a piece of land. We have a person. God gave his son for us. And he died and rose again so that through faith in him, we can have peace, contentment with God and be with him in heaven. And that's why we can be content. And as I was preparing that, what came to mind was the famous uh, sentence by St. Augustine who said in his confessions, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. It's a wonderful quotation. And it's true. Just a few parting shots. Are we able to trust God in the way that Abraham did? Do we believe God is on our side and that he has a plan for us? And shouldn't that give us deep down a feeling of contentment? And so bearing in mind what we've seen in the life of Abraham, how good are we at getting our priorities right? And, and I'm, I'm not just thinking in terms of arriving at work on time and making sure that you've got enough food, food in the fridge. How good are we at making space to spend time with God, whether that's through prayer, Bible reading, meditation, having fellowship with other Christians? How good are we at that? And do we remember that we are God's ambassadors whenever, wherever, wherever we may be? Um, and that could be at home, in the supermarket, at the bus stop, in the doctor's waiting room, at the sports club, and you can complete the list, at the football ground. <laughs> Do we become so involved with the mechanics of doing church that we forget that our faith is based on our relationship with God through Jesus Christ? Are we aware that the grass is not always greener and so we find contentment in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. A little girl had learned Psalm 23, or at least she knew the first verse, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. But she got it slightly wrong. And she said, the Lord is my shepherd. I've got all I want. Now, she got it wrong. But in actual fact, she got it right. And I wonder, have we got it right? And I pray that God will help us to get it right. Um, I've, writ I've written out some questions relating to my talk, which you might like to consider this coming week or maybe discuss in your house group. Please take a copy as you leave this morning if you haven't been given a copy already. Amen. Thank you. <laughs>